0: Welcome home, everybody. King of Kings, happy to be here tonight? All right, I like it. It's not too bad, not too good, but not too bad. I'm a glass half full person. Anybody want to try it again? Are we happy to be here tonight? That's good. For everybody watching online, in case you couldn't hear that, that was much better the second time. So, welcome to King of Kings, everybody. So happy to have you tonight. We're going to dive into the Word of God. We're going to continue our series called Moving Forward. Uh, Turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, and while you're doing that, let me just welcome everybody worshiping with us online tonight. We're so happy to have you as well. From all around the world, over 30 countries are watching us already tonight. We're happy to have you. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, however you are connecting. And uh, just a couple of special thank yous to those tonight watching from Ecuador we have people in Ecuador watching tonight also uh, our brothers in India we're praying for them of course they've had a tough month in India we're praying for you guys and Russia Russia's joining us tonight so welcome everybody watching online. now Nehemiah chapter 4 that's where we're gonna be tonight and before we get there I feel like I need to give everybody an update um listen the kids classes will resume whenever the government says we're allowed to resume. But for now, we're so happy that the children are with us in the house tonight. So thank you guys for being here. We're going to do our best to uh, make the Word of God enriching and applicable for all of us of all ages tonight. So we'll give you that announcement whenever the government says we can do it. We've had a, a tough 24 hours here in Jerusalem. If you've been watching the news, there's been riots Last night, riots again this morning. Uh, There's uh, some news going on about the rights to certain land and houses and neighborhoods from ancient times until modern. Who has the deed to it? Our family's going to get kicked out. We're right at the end of Ramadan. Things are picking up. We've had... We've had fights between military and police and, and, and other people vandalizing and up on the Temple Mount. It's been bad the last couple of days. They shut the freeway down for a while. And in all of this, tomorrow is Jerusalem Day, right? So we said that, that God does not do random, but we also need to watch out because the enemy has plans. And uh, he tries to time those strategically when he thinks they'll be most effective but we stand against him and his devices in the name of Yeshua. Today is the 43rd, or we're moving into as the sun goes down, the 43rd day of counting of the Omer. That means we have one week left until the next festival of the Lord, a day that he asked us to commemorate with him. He anointed it. It is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. So next Sunday, listen, I'm inviting all of you back. I'm inviting those of you watching online. If you live near Jerusalem... Come back into the house. We've got space for you. Next week is a God-appointed festival. You don't want to miss this. Pastor Wayne is preparing the message for us next week. We've got some outstanding worship. We have special readings. It is going to be a wonderful day. Stay counting. Stay in a place of anticipation of what God is going to do. So we've got a big week ahead of us. We know that. In all of that, we also still haven't figured out how to pick a government. You know, we've been working on this for... Two years now. Now we've we had our first chance to get a co prime ministership that apparently did not work out so well. We went back into re-election. Now they gave Netanyahu his appointed time. He was not able to form the coalition. If you're keeping track of the news, now they're giving it to two more men, right? Yair Lapid and and Bennett, and they're going to see if these guys can pull it off. Who knows? We'll see if they can do it. They've got a couple of weeks to try. So all I'm asking is, listen, guys, let's pray. My goodness. So much going on in the spirit. So much going on in the earth. We're still working through corona. My goodness, we need to pray, don't we? We need to be like Nehemiah who had an instinct to pray. And I'm going to lead us in an opening prayer. But first, I had this maybe prophetic sense. Can I share with you a quick prophetic sense before we dive in? Okay, those of you that said yes, listen up. We might wonder from time to time as you hear the leadership say, Listen, the kingdom of God is good. He's a good father, He is a good king. It is a good kingdom to be part of. You don't want to compare His kingdom to anyone else's kingdom. He's going to win every time, but listen to me. You may say to yourself, Why does he let things happen in my life that are challenging and hard, things I don't like? Why does he let them happen? I pose this perspective to you tonight. They were probably going to happen anyway. But aren't you glad you get to walk through it with the creator of the universe by your side? Because that's really the choices you have. They're going to happen anyway. Let's be part of his kingdom and walk with him through all of these challenging times. Let's pray. Father, we need your help tonight. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on in Jerusalem. The spiritual tension is very thick in the air this week with the riots and the violence and the protests on many different levels. For the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, will you just pour yourself on us in this room? On everybody who's watching online, help our hearts to Into your word tonight. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. And to lay the foundation here just to remind everybody of what's been going on. The children of Israel, after a long period of disobedience, were in exile. The Lord heard their cries, their fasting and their prayer, and he's bringing them back to the land of Israel. He's asking them, Through a clear call to Nehemiah and to others, would you please rebuild the city of Jerusalem? Very appropriate to speak on this today. Rebuild Jerusalem. Rebuild the walls. Rebuild the gates. Relay the foundations or build up from the foundations of the temple and the altar. And as the Israelites began to make progress finally on the walls, on the gates, on the temple... We have the same enemies keep popping up every chapter. The same ones continue to harass us. Doesn't that sound familiar, friends, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time? I just want to remind you that Satan, our enemy, and his little puppets are constantly in a place of trying to ridicule and cut us down to taunt believers, to make you think lesser of yourself, and even more importantly, they want you to think lesser of God and his work. I want to start with verse 1 in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stone. So the enemy is not impressed. They tried to rebuild. They were finally making some progress, praise the Lord, by God's help. And here come the enemies. You know, the enemies don't tend to bug you when you're not making progress. You've got to hear me say that. And I'm talking to you young believers in the house tonight. The older ones have figured this out. The enemy will come at you harder the more progress you make. So you say, oh man, Pastor Chad, I'm feeling attacked. I'm feeling attacked all the time. Praise God. What kind of progress are you making? The enemy is upset when you become a threat to his kingdom. He's not that upset when you're doing nothing. He'll leave you alone. But the more you threaten his kingdom the more you threaten to pull people out of the pit of hell the more you are a threat to set people free in the name of the Lord to heal them, to bring them into this eternal kingdom and have eternal life. The bigger threat you are, the more attack you're going to receive. And the Jews started to make progress so here comes the persecution the ridicule, the taunting. The enemy is sending his little puppets to do his work. This shouldn't surprise any of us because Peter describes the enemy's work this way from 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour you see satan is someone looking to cause trouble he is looking at someone weak looking for someone not with the rest of the family that he can attack that's what a lion does that's why there's the reference to the lion the lion does not jump into listen just turn on a little show National Geographic every once in a while try it out get a documentary on lions see what they do a lion does not run into the middle of the pack the lion hides on the edge and he waits to see which animal does not stay with the pack and then he pounces and devours. That's what the enemy's trying to do. That's why we're here as a family. We live this life in the kingdom together, the way we were called to, the way we were built and meant to. So now we're making a little progress on the walls. The enemy is threatened. He starts bringing ridicule and persecution to our people, just like he does today. I'm trying to make everything in the story very applicable to your life. I want you to be Prepared tomorrow for what the enemy is trying to do. I don't just want you to come and have a fun time tonight. I want you to be ready for this. The next verse, Nehemiah 4, verse 4 and 5. What does Nehemiah do when he feels the persecution? Hear us, O God, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads, give them over. As plunder in the land of captivity, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sin from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. If Nehemiah hasn't been a very consistent person, he's shown us one more time. In the face of trial and persecution, in the face of ridicule, he has an instinct to pray. It's his first response every time. That's the third example and we're only in chapter 4 where something is coming at him and his instinct is to pray. And we're hopefully sowing that seed into all of our hearts. Have an instinct to pray. But in some ways the news was good. We're making progress. That is good news. The enemy doesn't want you to think it's good news. But when we see our people building the walls a little bit and going back to the foundations and they, they group together and they have a plan that's beginning to threaten the enemy's kingdom the walls of jerusalem are starting to go up look at verse 6 our main text nehemiah 4 verse 6 so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart can we be reminded tonight that we need to praise the lord when we see progress And here comes a challenge. Are you ready? Who's ready for a challenge tonight? Good. couple of people. I'm going to give you one more chance. Anybody ready for a challenge tonight? Oh, Pastor Chad, just feed me something sweet and easy. Came to the wrong place. When the wall is half built and the enemy is coming against you because you're a threat. This is a good thing and you need to praise the Lord. That you're not stagnant. That you haven't been forgotten by God. That you're not on the sidelines of the game. You're in the game. Be grateful to the Lord. Give him praise. Sing his praises. Because half the wall has been built. The enemy's the one that's going to tell you. But half the wall has not been built. You haven't done well. You have not succeeded. You are not worth anything. The enemy is a half-empty glass person. Here it is. Here's the challenge. Listen to me. God is a half-full person. The kingdom of God, if you're going to be in the image of Messiah, you say, well, Pastor Chad, wait a second. Slow down. I see where you're going here. Let me just stop you. You're going to give me one of those speeches about God's always an optimist God always sees the best side. God always looks for the good. That's exactly the speech I'm giving you. Because that is in God's nature. And you better be grateful that it is in his nature. Because if he had seen me before I got saved and said, I'm a half empty glass God, he would have looked at me and said, no, thank you. But that's not how he looks at us. He sees us and he says, I can work with that. You say, God, it's only half full. That doesn't matter to me. Well, the wall's only half built. That doesn't matter to me either. When God sees a heart that is hungry for Him, He is in. And He's not so much worried about your final destination, He's very concerned about the direction of your heart. He'll get you to the final destination. Don't worry about that. He created you to get there. He's worried about the direction of your heart. And the Kingdom of God and the Word of God always challenges us to see the best. The best in other people. You know when you go to that famous chapter about love in Corinthians and it starts to give you the list of all the things that love is. Love is patient, love is kind. It endures. There's this one little word that somehow we we don't always highlight. Love believes all things. You know what it's saying? Be positive. Think about the good things. See the best possibilities when you go through tough times. When you're working with people, you're going to need this skill, guys. Listen, as the kingdom is growing, as the Lord is calling each one of us to lead a small group, to lead a prayer time, to lead a worship team, to lead an outreach, whatever it is we're doing, you need to see the best in people. Why? Because that's what God sees in you. The glass is half full. I promise. The wall is half built. And that's a good thing. Not a bad thing. And actually the Lord knew they would need more encouragement. He gives the word of encouragement through one of the peers at the time of Nehemiah. Zechariah chapter 4 reads this way. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I'm telling you, he is a positive God that sees the best in every situation. You say, oh, no, no, no. He, looked when, when Yeshua came to earth, you know, he really had his pick of everybody. I mean, he could have just picked the cream of the crop. Well, in his mind, it was the cream of the crop, but it was because of their heart direction. I don't know if we would have seen the early disciples as the cream of the crop, just pulling out some tax collectors, some fishermen who never knew when to stop arguing about who was greater. Not the cream of the crop. Peter, walking in so much fruit of the Spirit that he cuts somebody's ear off with a sword. Doesn't look like the cream of the crop to me. Judas. Yeshua does not reject him. He sees the good in him. He pours into him. He knows what's coming. He's going to love him anyway. Because Yeshua sees the best in us be a positive person in the kingdom of God because that's who God is. Rejoice in the small beginnings. Praise God for the progress in your life. Yeah, I know guys, we're not there. I'm not there. I'm so far away from being there. I have so so many more levels to go with God. But I'm grateful in the progress he's made in my life. And as the Jewish people in this story are continuing to rebuild the persecution from the enemies gets stronger. The higher the wall gets, the stronger the persecution gets. Then it's not just ridicule and harsh words and making fun of your wall. You know, it's funny because they, they say this phrase in here, oh, what are the Israelites going to rebuild the walls? Even if a fox jumped on the wall, it would crumble down. That's how bad they are at building. I'll be honest. I feel that about some of the buildings I see outside. I'll be honest. Some of the walls are crumbling. Nobody's even looked at them in 20 years. I get it. But the plot is growing, it's no longer just ridicule. In Nehemiah chapter 4, they start talking about a plot and a plan to kill them, to kill the Jews. Can't just leave them over there working on the wall. Now we're upset that they're making progress. It's not enough to give insults. Now we're going to kill them. Ah, we've hit something. We've hit some kind of button in the spirit. Why does the enemy care that a little wall that looks like it's going to fall down is even being worked on? Why does he care? Because he understands the power of the symbolism of what's going on. He knows the enemy... That's us, because we're the enemy of the enemy, right? He knows that we're making progress, and that threatens his kingdom. And we're gaining confidence in God. You know, when when you're playing team sports, the last thing you want is the other team to have confidence. When you're winning, keep winning. Press harder. Move faster. Do not let that other team think that they have any chance of winning. That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's had us in exile. He's had us in disobedience. He's had us in broken covenants. He's had us away from the word of God for generations now. Now there's a little bit of momentum for the first time in a long time in our lives, and the enemy is not happy with that momentum. So he turns up the heat because he doesn't want you to gain confidence in what God's doing in your life. Somebody in this room needs to hear this tonight, I'm telling you. You're feeling that the heat is getting turned up. We'll praise the Lord for that. That means you're doing something right. And these spies are now being sent. Threats are being made. Plots to kill the Jews are being made. We know the ringleaders of Sanballat and Tobiah. We know that there's the army of Samaria is now involved. Before it wasn't the army. Now it's an army up there. It's pretty intimidating, I'm sure, to the Israelites. And now we finally get to the main text of the day. You say, oh, man, Pastor Chad, that all that was just man, that was preparation. Because now we're gonna we're gonna hit the juicy moment. This is that moment. Are you ready for it? Yes, Pastor Chad, we're ready. There it is. Look at verse 13. I'm in the main text, Nehemiah 4, 13 and 14. you got to check this out. you got to see what the Spirit's doing here. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, And fights for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah heard the threats. He saw the armies of Samaria in front of him. He heard the insults. He heard about the plots. He uncovered the spies. He knows this is becoming a big deal now. This isn't just a little wall that's being built anymore. There's a problem. There's an enemy. Somebody doesn't want this to happen. Somebody is threatened by what's going on. He is receiving the weight of the moment. And his response to the people, he doesn't ignore the problem. But his response is to encourage them to keep going and not be afraid. Just keep going. Dory, Thank you, parents with children who got that Disney reference. Just keep swimming. He says, listen, I'm not ignoring the threat. So if you need to have a sword by your side and a bow and arrow by your side and a spear by your side, you can do that. I'm not ignoring the threats. We have to protect the families. But keep working. Be encouraged. We're making progress. And remember, don't be afraid of these people. If God said we're going to rebuild the city, then it's a done deal, friends. It's done. The story's over. All we're doing now is just filling out the details. Has God given you a promise in your life? Because if He has, that's a done deal. All you're doing is filling out the details. If he said you're going to be a mighty man or woman of God you're going to build my kingdom you're going to be bringing the lost into the house of God you're going to be discipling and immersing people in water you're going to have major impact you're going to turn over your neighborhood. If he's already told you that that is a done deal in his mind. You just got to start believing it. And in Nehemiah's mind he knew they were going to rebuild it so he says in the the face of the threat what are you worried about? They can't do anything to us. I'm not ignoring the threat, so take your sword, but keep building. Because if God said it's going to happen, it's a done deal. The story's over. You're going to do it. He moves to action. And he made a very strategic decision that day. His strategic decision involved a good amount of humility. And I don't know if you heard this in the passage I read. Nehemiah says, Verse 13, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, the most exposed places. You know that's that that it's a moment of humility he had to realize because he's the one, he's the, the catalyst for this building project. And people are gonna judge how the building project is going. Right? We've already heard the enemies, how they judge it. Hey, if a fox jumps on it, it's going to fall down. He's a little bit of judgment there. But he's probably getting a little bit of judgment from his own people. And it takes a man of humility to say, hey, I'm rejoicing that we've built the wall up as high as we got it, but friends, we've got some low points. We've got some exposed points in our life. We've got some points that we're weak And he doesn't ignore it. What does he do? He gets the team together and he says, I need your help here today. There are some weak points in my life. Would you please station yourself, work with me at the weakest points? You say, Pastor Chad, what are you talking about now? Are are we talking about the wall? We're using the wall to talk about your life. Every one of us has low points in our wall. We have weak spots. But the Lord is never meant for you to cover those weak spots by yourself. That's why he gave you a family. That's why he gave you the Keilah. The body works together in all of these ways. There are some people equipped to fight just for you at those low points if you'll let them. Romans 8, 26, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Let me give you our key phrase of the night. Yeshua does not condemn us in our lowest points, but proudly stands guard at our weakest spots and our weakest moments as a matter of fact you could say it a different way Yeshua is at his best when you are at your worst that's been true in my life for sure I have seen God's faithfulness and he is at his best when I'm at my worst when my wall has a crack in it, I've got a low spot, I'm vulnerable, I'm exposed, I'm being tempted. I'm not scaring Lord the Lord but with all of that stuff. He's not washing his hands of me. He doesn't look at my life and say, Oh, I got a half full, half empty glass over here. I gotta deal with Chad again. When will he get his act together? No, the God of creation positions himself at the weakest point of your wall, at the lowest point when he knows you're the most exposed, because what does the Bible say? He is interceding, ever interceding for the saints. That's what he's doing in heaven, Isaiah 53, sitting at the right hand of the father, interceding every day for you, sending people into your life to help you. Sending a community around you to encourage you. When? At your high point? No, not at your high point. At your low point. Yeshua does his best work when we're at our worst. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. Not at your high point. At your low point. He was at his best. Even in moments of temptation, you say, I know God gets so tired of me struggling with the same things over and over. I know he doesn't love me anymore. There's no way he can keep loving me. You haven't got to know Yeshua yet. He doesn't love the sin. He doesn't love to watch you struggle, but he loves you all the more. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Did you hear that? At your lowest point of your wall, when you were tempted the most, Yeshua didn't run away from you. He ran to you. He covered the weak point in your wall and provided a way out for you. That's the God you serve. But Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan wants to put more pressure because you're making progress. Not only does Yeshua do this for us, but we are called to do this for one another. We are called as a congregation in all of the different outlets we have to stand at each other's weakest point in the wall to stop accusing to stop judging to stop backbiting to stop stabbing and to actually start believing the best in everybody and when someone says I need help this congregation my heart for you for us is that when someone says they need help we rejoice that we get a chance to help them we don't turn our finger at them and say can't believe you need help so sad you you need help this is a house of prayer this is a house of worship this is a house of healing and you can't help get people healed if you don't let them tell you what the problem is we are called to do this for one another Galatians 6 carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of the Messiah if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And I was meditating on that verse and I realized that this is one of those verses that you cannot do unless you're part of the Kehilah. You can't do this one by yourself at home. You can't bear one another's burdens unless you're in the life of the people who need their burdens bared born whatever the conjugated verb of that is you think english was my first language but you can't even do this commandment unless you're with us cover the lowest point in someone's wall for them help them to be strong the way the lord does and as they continued to work the people got more and more spread out. They're building the wall. They're finally making progress, but now they're having to fight with a tool in one hand and a weapon in, a, in the other hand. There's plots to kill them. There's the army of Samaria approaching. It's getting very sensitive and friction-oriented. I'm sure the emotions were running high at this moment. It says in Nehemiah 4, verse 16. From that day on, half of the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And I chuckled when I read that. You know, they were handing out some pretty cool jobs at that moment. Hey, Bob, I'm going to need you to build this gate. Susie, I'm going to need you to go over and build this wall right here. Jim, I'm going to need you to go build that tower. Hey, guys, let's go over here and work on the foundation of the temple. Here's your tools. Here's your supplies. Here's your sword. Here's your spear. Let's get to our battle stations. Let's get it ready. Let's get it going. And this one little guy's like, What job do I get? And he's like, you, grab the shofar, you stay with me. You know, he was like, what? Come on, man. Give me a sword. I want to build something. No, 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 you stay with me. You have the shofar. I don't want the shofar. I want a sword. No, no. Some of you feel like that in the room, don't you? Oh, God, you're calling all these people. You're blessing them with these opportunities and these gifts and I want to go to battle too, God and, and you, you feel like God's like no no you grab the shofar stand right here You're like what that's not exciting when the jobs were being handed out this probably wasn't seen as the most important at the time but you gotta see the context of this there was a sense of excitement but also caution war was in the air a battle was coming And it says that they were spread out more than ever before. They didn't get to see each other as often as they used to. Look at verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. So whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us and God will fight for us. You see, the little guy with the shofar, he didn't have an unimportant job. He had the job of bringing all of them together. It might have been the most important job. And some of you need to hear that from the Lord today. You think you're being called to something lesser. And God is saying, yeah, but if you saw it from my perspective, you're a prince and a princess in my kingdom. You're someone who has a super important job. Do not belittle the job. Do not look at that glass like it's half empty. It's half full. Get rid of that negativity. The wall is half built. That's a good start. Don't despise small beginnings. And a whole bunch of other verses I could quote at you to encourage you tonight. This guy might have been the most important of all of them. We see the emphasis on people having plans to join one another. And the congregation provides many of these opportunities in the new covenant. Our work of the kingdom of God often spreads us out, friends. And I'm just being honest with you. With work and growing families... Going to school, going to Ulpan, traveling, spending time with unbelievers, outreach, home groups, prayer towers, soup kitchens. It spreads us out on the wall. And that's a little bit vulnerable for us. And yet God has a tool to bring us back together, to make sure we work, live, and fight together. And he blows the shofar. And we come to worship. We come to community groups. We come to to the summit prayer room. We come to our accountability partners and our disciples, and it gives us a chance to reconnect because we can get spread out on the wall. Let me close you with this verse tonight. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 5. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Nehemiah got this. There are so many things from his story that are applicable in the New Covenant Scriptures. God is doing something great in your life. He's doing something great in our community. He's called us to do some things we cannot do alone. We have to do it together. And and life is hard. It stretches us out. We're separated many times, farther than we want to be, but God gives us a way to come back together in the kehilah, The congregation is one of those ways. It's not the only way, but it's a very important way. And I love seeing these building blocks and these principles in the New Testament because they connect with the Tanakh. They connect with the first covenant. God is the same God. He has the same attributes. He has the same goals as he always has from Nehemiah until today. He wants to save his people from their sins. He wants to give them the inheritance of eternal life. He wants to turn over the keys of his kingdom to us. And even though the exiles returned many years ago, the experiences that they had help us to learn valuable lessons in the kingdom of God, lessons like God. Is an optimist he sees the best in people and we're grateful for that lessons like we can get spread too thin we need to come back together lessons like when we start making progress in the kingdom that's a threat to the enemy and you should see an increase of persecution and attack take some of these principles this week don't leave them in the book of Nehemiah bring them into your life they're for you today Let the Holy Spirit touch you with this in an applicable way. We're not here to impress you on Sunday, we're here to help you on Monday. Amen. Can you stand to your feet, let me pray over you, let me bless you, let me impart to you tonight, and we're going to let this sink in with the closing song of worship. Whatever posture you take to receive from the Lord a gift, let's just take that posture, it's fine if you want to kneel, if you want to hands up, if you want to sway back and forth, whatever you do. Father, this is a good day. You're a good father. You're a great king. Your kingdom is unlike any other kingdom. We are happy to be in your kingdom today. We are happy that you share kingdom rules with us, kingdom principles. And Father, for anybody in the house tonight or watching online that struggled with negativity, I just pray that you let your Holy Spirit wash over them tonight. Bring a positive outlook. See the good in people. See the good that God is up to. Father, never let us get so overworked and overstretched that we forget to come back together as a congregation family so that we can actually obey the new covenant scriptures together. Let us seek to bear one another's burdens and to be very much like you, that when we see a weak point, we cover over it with help. And we remember finally tonight, Yeshua, that you are at your greatest when we are at our worst. We thank you for that tonight in Yeshua's name. Amen.